Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be breaking down Seeking Sister Wife, Season 4, Episode 10, So Many Things Could Go Wrong. The episode opens with the Merrifields. Danielle and Garrick are packing up to head to Brazil. They hope that they're going to be able to reconnect with Roberta and get her ticket booked. Garrick feels the trip is about settling things with Roberta's mom and with Roberta. It's a serious trip. The focus is getting Roberta's ticket booked. If these people have gone through Danielle getting a divorce so Roberta can apply for the K-1 and doing the paperwork and getting an immigration lawyer and Roberta has been approved and she still hasn't picked up her visa or showed initiative to book a ticket and her communication has been spotty, why the fuck are these people wanting to be with someone who doesn't seem to want to be with them? Danielle mentioned last episode sending Roberta money. How much and how often? It's been three years of waiting. If Roberta really intended on coming, my feeling is she would come. She would pick up her visa immediately. She would make arrangements for her mom. She would book the ticket and she would actually come to the U.S. I don't think she really wants to come. I think she enjoys the cash infusions. If she wanted to come, it wouldn't be waiting to the point where the visa she got expires in like two months, I think. Garrick and Danielle aren't getting the hint. And the fact that they are flying across the world to encourage Roberta to book her ticket is insane to me. Garrick and Danielle did a lot to facilitate this for Roberta to make it possible. Danielle got a freaking divorce that she didn't want, foolishly, and Roberta can't seem to take the initiative on her own to pick up the visa or book the ticket to the point where now it's about to expire very shortly. And in my opinion, that says everything that we need to know about Roberta. If this is like pulling teeth, she isn't as invested as the Merrifields. And if they want a sister wife, shouldn't they want someone as invested as they are in this who wants to be with them just as much as they want her? Or should I say Garrick wants her? I think Roberta may have been more willing initially, but once the dating potential third wives became a thing, Roberta probably realized she didn't want this. I don't think she expected other wives but her, and so I think she distanced after that, but she kept the money coming in. I just don't get people who are desperate to be with people who aren't as invested and enthusiastic about them as they are about the other person. Don't they feel they deserve more? Danielle says there have been lots of ups and downs with Roberta not knowing if she will come to the U.S. Roberta has had her doubts about leaving her mom, and Danielle has doubts about if Roberta will book the ticket and commit to coming to the U.S. It's now down to the deadline with her visa, and the Merrifields need Roberta to commit to make a decision. She has been prolonging coming to the U.S., and if she delays any more, she will lose her visa. Danielle says they only have two months left. Danielle and Garrick arrive and they meet the translator they hired, Marcella, because there are lots of serious topics they want to discuss with Roberta and her mom. They want to talk about figuring out Bert's visa and her mom's situation, and they want to talk about booking the plane ticket. So they hire the translator to try and avoid confusion. The translator asks how the Merrifields met Roberta, and Garrick explains they met her online on a dating site. 
Mercedes tells cameras she knows the Merrifields are polygamists and it's not very common in Brazil. In fact, she doesn't know anybody who has this lifestyle. She says it's weird for her, she doesn't like it personally, but if the Merrifields agree with it, it's their choice and there's nothing she can do or say to judge them. Danielle and Garrick have rented an Airbnb so they can all stay together and it has two bedrooms so Danielle will have her own room. Danielle says that's so she won't have to sleep on the couch. Garrick definitely wants Roberta to sleep with him since he hasn't seen her in 15 months. Garrick thinks Roberta is excited for them to come. He sounds hesitant when he says that. Danielle thinks Roberta might be nervous knowing all they have to discuss on this trip. Garrick says there's a lot riding on this trip and he's committed to Roberta for life. Danielle points out, we've all committed. So there's a lot at stake. Next up are the Davis family. They announced that Jennifer is expecting a baby girl. April is excited to be a mom to a baby again. She is in tears saying she's excited to do this with Nick and Jennifer. She feels as if she is having a baby too and Jennifer wouldn't want it any other way. Nick, Jennifer, April, and Danielle go baby shopping. Nick goes in the store and announces to the shop lady, my wife is pregnant. It's Nick's first biological child and he's hoping that he's going to be someone his daughter can be proud of and that he will be someone that will guide her in the best way possible. Well, I don't know about that. Jen never thought she would see herself as a mother wanting kids or having kids, but coming into this situation and the love she developed for Nick, this is the love she wants to have a baby with. Nick and Jen told Danielle as soon as they could that she was pregnant because it's going to be a huge step and they want Danielle to know she is solid and they want her to also fully experience this with them and they want her to feel just as much a mother to this baby and a part of this as Jennifer will be and as April will be. Nick says there's a lot about what's taking place now that has him a little apprehensive about how Danielle is going to adjust to it. Nick isn't sure where Danielle is at in her life right now or if Danielle is ready to make those sorts of changes that will be forced upon her with this baby Jennifer is having. Danielle tells Jen there will be so much love and support for one child in their family and to be able to do that with them is special. Danielle isn't opposed to being a mother to a child that isn't hers biologically. Danielle says she might not get the same attention she is now with a child around, but Danielle doesn't think that takes away from her at all. Lots of emotions have come up for April right now. She says having a baby and it not being her biological child was initially breathtaking. It was something that April had to address within herself to make sure that she didn't get jealous. But this is something that comes with the territory of polygamy, she says, having to deal with the emotions of another woman, being pregnant with the love of your life. But April is very excited for the baby to come and for all of them to be able to raise her together. At the same time, April is nervous. She doesn't want this to change the dynamic of how well they all get along. 
Nick tells April from the moment Jennifer found out that she was pregnant, he wakes up every day and he has this on his mind first thing. Nick says the prospect of being a stay-at-home dad is something he's excited for. He says it's going to be unusual when the baby is small, but he still looks forward to it. April says Jen is an amazing woman and April knows that she's fully committed to this, but it feels like time is moving so fast. Jen is already four and a half months pregnant. She's halfway there and April doesn't feel like she is fully prepared yet. I really think this pregnancy is going to affect April big time. April refers to Nick as the love of her life and they don't have biological kids together. She has a child that Nick helped raise, and I think April accepted polygamy to keep Nick and to keep her family intact. And she accepted Jennifer, but now the baby will shift things in the relationship. And April knows she will feel she matters less to Nick, and Nick will become fully invested probably with Jen, and he's going to be fully invested and doting on his child. And Jen and Nick and this biological child together We'll get closer. They have this family together. And April is probably crying and emotional because she worries about her place in the whole system now. Nick could leave and have his family with Jen, and possibly she knows that. Maybe she worries in the back of her mind. I wonder what Nick will be like as a father. I don't know that I want to know, to be honest, but I guess we'll see. When Jen falls in love with her daughter over Nick, I also wonder... Will Nick be able to handle less attention? Egotistical men, even if it's a mother giving a lot of attention that they used to give to the man on the child, the man will get upset at that, that they're not getting the same amount of attention that they once were. They don't have that understanding that this is my child. They love their child as an extension of themselves, but it could be very upsetting for them if the wife has a child and then wants to dote on the child and they're getting less attention because of it. I don't know how all of this is going to play out. Nick doesn't scream out as the father type to me. The way he treats women and views them, I wonder if he would like that for his own daughter. What if his daughter is Danielle's age one day and she meets a version of Nick who wants to involve her in a polygamous situation before she knows herself or life yet? Will Nick approve? Will Nick be happy with that? Will Nick approve of his daughter working to pay for her husband who sits at home. We'll see. Next up are Sidian and Ariel. They are checking out the local markets together. Sidian is blown away by how different everything is. The culture is totally different in the Philippines. It's a whole new world to Sidian. So Sidian worries that if he brings Ariel to Portland, she might get too homesick and she might miss her family and her friends too much. Ariel wants to teach Sidian a lot about the Filipino culture. She says Sidian keeps asking her a lot of stuff about what is this or what is that. Sidian is very curious and Ariel really likes that about him. Ariel is very excited about being with Sidian in the U.S. It's a big decision that they're about to make. Sidian and Ariel talk about it and Sidian mentions bringing Ariel to the States. He says the only thing that he's worried about is they don't know if it's going to work or not. Ariel knows people. She has a friend who knows about the immigration procedures who can help them. Sidian wants to get things ready while he's here in the Philippines. Sidian says things feel really natural between them and he can't comprehend saying goodbye. 
He says it's going to be tough. There are lots of complications for them to work through with getting Ariel over to the U.S. With a K-1 visa, the possibility that they can stop or restrict them makes Sidian worry that they will. Ariel's contact tells her the situation with the U.S. Embassy now is that they recently opened up with accepting visa applications again. The friend said it's going to be really hard for Sidian and Ariel considering the pandemic and the backlog and everything. They are prioritizing applications because of the backlog and the highest priority application there is is the fiancé visa. Sidian would have to start the process of the K-1. Sidian has to propose to Ariel before she can get the visa. But Sidian has to marry her while she is in the U.S. so she can stay. For it to work, they would bring Ariel to the States and within 90 days, they would have to be married. Sidian says it sounds like an engagement soon. Ariel would be okay with it once Sidian feels he is ready because she is in this relationship for the long run. It's serious for her. It isn't all games. So Ariel suggests they just go with the flow. Sidian's mind is racing because he thinks he needs to get Ariel to the U.S., but he also has to propose, and he has very little time to do that, and Sidian isn't sure that they have spent enough time together yet. Sidian thinks he should talk to Tasha because he wouldn't do anything without her. He will tell her the situation and see what next steps they can take. Sidian brought a ring just in case he wanted to propose, so that's already done. Next up are the Foley's. Steve, Brenda, and April are having lunch together. Brenda mentions that she and April had a talk at the coffee shop a few days ago, and they're working on their communication, and things are going a lot better. Brenda invited April to come over and make lunch with her. They're making Salvadorian food. April has been more conscious to try and communicate better with Brenda. April feels if she and Steve weren't working out, then she and Brenda could still have that relationship and friendship to fall back on. But if she and Brenda aren't working out, then a relationship with Steve wouldn't be possible. When April pictures being a sister wife with Steve and Brenda, today making this lunch is just how she imagines it. Steve says it's great to hear Brenda and April talking and laughing in the kitchen getting along just like they used to. He says what's happening today is the epitome of what this relationship is meant to be. They had concerns about the communication style, so they tried to work through those issues. And they're making progress. They still have a long way to go, but they're moving in a positive forward fashion, Steve says. Steve hasn't seen anything showing that this relationship won't continue on. Brenda mentions Steve went to the lot this morning. They were putting up the siding today on the house that they're building. April knows that they are building a house. She hasn't seen the house yet, and she doesn't know that they are building the house specifically for a polygamous lifestyle or a polygamous family. The thought hasn't come up that this could be April's house as well. Steve asks Brenda if he asked her tomorrow if he said, he was ready for April to move in with them, what she would say. And Brenda says she would be hesitant and scared because there are still conversations they need to have 
before April moves in. Steve frowns when Brenda mentions that. Steve thinks that they're almost there, and he says that, and when he says it in confessional, Brenda smiles hesitantly, and then she looks to the side like she definitely doesn't feel the same. Back to the Merrifields in Brazil. Roberta is about to arrive at the Airbnb, and Garrick is nervous and happy. He has so many emotions going on. Roberta arrives, and everyone cries and hugs. Roberta says for her, after so many months away, it was good because they can be together in person. It's very warm. Roberta thanks Jesus that she is here. Danielle says it's unreal. Seeing Roberta for the first time, it feels like they are just meeting, like their first time meeting Roberta in Mexico. It feels surreal, but Danielle knows the real reason they are here is to have some tough conversations. For Roberta, seeing Garrick, who she says gets so emotional when he sees her, and when he talks about her and their relationship, it brings her lots of peace and joy. Roberta has never met anyone with a heart as pure as Garrick's. Garrick says he and Roberta are emotional as a family uniting. It's great. Garrick hoped for that, before getting into the serious talks of Roberta booking the plane ticket. Roberta tells Garrick and Danielle it feels like a dream that they are here in Brazil. She says it's very beautiful and very difficult too. It's beautiful because this is everything she has always wanted. She never felt so much love before. But it's still a long way off because they aren't all together yet. Roberta is crying and Garrick wipes away her tears with his fingers. Danielle thinks the real happiness will be when they are finally all together in America. Garrick wonders if Roberta wants to stay with them at the house, and Roberta says, of course. She asks if Garrick thought she would answer any differently. She tells Garrick she missed him so much every moment, and she knows every moment with Garrick and Danielle will be magical. She doesn't want to ever be apart from them again. Never, she says. Roberta says she will sleep here tonight and she doesn't want to leave Garrick and Danielle alone. She wants to enjoy every moment that they have together. Roberta says the last time they were traveling as a family, they were planning a trip just so they could make a baby. Only God didn't allow it at that moment. So Roberta says she prefers to wait to make a baby until she gets to the U.S., Danielle starts crying upon hearing this, and she is amazed. She says she's amazed because she felt the exact same way about it. Garrick jokes that they will have to be safe. Of course, Garrick's primary concern is getting that cake. Danielle says she thinks she made it very clear to Garrick that she doesn't feel comfortable with him and Roberta trying for babies on this trip. Danielle feels they have so much to discuss and to figure out, so Danielle is relieved that Garrick will be careful and not let the passion run away with him. Danielle says it's been so long since they've seen Roberta, and it's been a long time since Garrick and Roberta had intimacy together. So there are those thoughts that come up and try to tempt you, and there are insecurities that try to creep back in with jealousies but Danielle is pushing those out of her head, and she hopes Garrick and Roberta have a good night together. 
Roberta tells Garrick no more sadness because he has tears streaming down his face 24-7. She says, finally, we are happy. Garrick tells Roberta he missed her very much, and he asks her if she will come to Colorado. He's crying, and Roberta says, of course. Garrick says, hearing Roberta tell him in person that she is coming to Colorado really makes him happy. But also, knowing they will have another super emotional day tomorrow with discussing things with Roberta's mom and setting the date and buying the plane ticket, it will be hard. But Garrick is super thankful they are reconnected and he's hopeful. Next up are Sidian and Ariel. Things are going well and meeting Ariel proved to Sidian that he could spend many, many years with Ariel. So Sidian wants to call Tasha to see what next steps they can take. He wonders if maybe proposal is on the table. Sidian tells Tasha about the visa situation. Tasha asks Sidian if he's thinking of proposing, and Sidian says he's thinking about it. Tasha says she has been surprised that Sidian is talking about proposing just because Sidian was so adamant that it wasn't enough time for him to make this kind of decision. She asks Sidian if between the talking online and this trip to the Philippines, there's enough there for Sidian to want to pursue proposing, and Sidian says it's not just his feelings, he also wants Tasha's side of it. As far as his side, he feels mixed about it. It makes him excited, but also it's pretty quick to propose, and he has just been here with Ariel for a few days. But at the same time, Ariel is a huge catch. She has everything. Tasha tells Sidian they have known Ariel a long time for a few years since Tasha worked with her and she was friends with her. So Tasha isn't uncomfortable with Sidian proposing, although she thinks it's fast. She asks Sidian if he thinks Ariel would say yes at this point, and Sidian says he thinks she would say yes. Sidian feels anxious because things are happening so fast, but he also wants to be able to get things moving. He's thinking racing thoughts about how things could go wrong and also how things could go right. Tasha tells Sidian if he does propose, they have a few logistics to work out. But if Sidian feels Ariel is open to the idea, she doesn't see the point of waiting because it puts them so far behind in getting Ariel to the U.S. Tasha says their seeking journey has been long and full of failures. So to get to this point with someone they adore that they're excited about feels really good. Tasha says if Ariel is going to come and legally marry Sidian, she would surpass Tasha from a legal standpoint because then Tasha and Sidian can't be married if Sidian is married to Ariel. So it's a title Tasha can't have, but she is very happy to give it as a gift to Ariel if that means she gets to join the family. Sidian has a lot going through his mind of worst case scenarios and all that. Like what if Tasha suddenly messages him and she's not on board or somehow he has a big change of heart or Ariel isn't on board. It seems like so many things could go wrong, but at the same time, there's so many things that could go right. Next up are the Epps family. Marcus had a date with Janae a few weeks ago and he didn't think he would ever hear from her again after dropping the polygamist bomb on her. But Janae is in town on business 
and there still is an undeniable connection and vibe between the two of them, according to Marcus. So for Marcus, with Janae being uneasy before, Marcus wants to pitch to her to get together with Taryn in India, and maybe they can sell the case better than he can. And Janae has agreed to do that. So Marcus is excited. Marcus, Taryn, and India are meeting Janae at a bar. Taryn doesn't know that Janae is sold on the idea of a polygamous lifestyle. Yet Marcus is still talking to her, so Taryn says there is some type of in or hope left. Like maybe Janae is letting her guard down a little bit to be interested in what it possibly looks like for her. Marcus tells his wives he is counting on them to seal the deal for him. Taryn says she has got him. It's on her. Janae says it's her first time meeting Taryn in India, and it's a little awkward. Very awkward, actually. She says she and Marcus have this crazy bond, a flirtatious thing. But she is entering a room with two women she has never met before, and she's getting ready to discuss herself possibly dating their man. So Janae is a ball of nerves. India tells Janae she is shocked at their meeting because she was initially under the impression that she was going to go on a date with a single guy. And then Marcus sprung polygamy on her and he told Janae after flying her in that he is married to not just one, but two women. Janae says she was bamboozled. She was definitely swindled into coming down. She tells India and Taryn, be real. So he flew me down here and he's married. Then it's not just to one lady, but two. India jokes, yes, Marcus is married and a half. And Taryn says, Marcus didn't tell her up front to get her here. But as soon as he got Janae here, he was real about it. Taryn tells Janae he could have strung her along, he could have had his wives at home and still pretended to be single, dating her, stretching it out, stringing her along. Just because Marcus could have done something worse than what he did, it doesn't make what he did more acceptable or better, in my opinion. India says Marcus could have done Janae like he did with her, letting her fall all the way in love with him and proposing to her and then telling her. Janae thinks Taryn was welcoming immediately. With India, she's more loud. She's more into partying. She was getting everybody to do shots. Janae asks Taryn, the whole time she knew Marcus was pursuing India, how she felt, how she was feeling about that. Taryn says they were separated and she left. She left Marcus completely, but also she made it very clear to him within a few months that it was dumb and that she shouldn't have moved out. So Taryn came back home, and at that point, he had a whole girlfriend. And India corrects Taryn to fiancé. India says it's a lot to process. Janae says it's weird. India thinks Janae is still caught off guard. She isn't 100% sold, so she is taking more time to process and to soak it all in. India tells Janae to feel free to ask them questions about the pros and the cons. Janae mentions the financial part. She asks... What if Taryn decides she has been here 20 years, she doesn't have to do shit. So now she, instead of bringing in money, is living off another wife. India says COVID happened in 2020 and Taryn had to quit her job to look after the kids since school was from home. 
India says she couldn't have done that. And she says when you have three people, they can afford for anybody at any point to quit jobs or change careers. And the other two people in the relationship will have that person's back. Janae says she wants her man in her bed every night. She says it might not even be sexual, but you just want that presence and that support and that comfort. Like if you had a bad day to get reassurance from your man. And Taryn says Marcus does such a great job at making sure everyone is supported. India says she won't say she's excited about the fact that the sex is going to get spread out if they add another wife. Taryn says they have a lot of sex. Janae says she gets they can be cool when Marcus isn't there, but Janae feels like she would almost still want her man to be there every night. Janae says her mind is all over the place. A part of it feels that this is bullshit. She would still be sacrificing things that are great and important to her, and some of it felt like this is crazy, and she can't understand how India and Taryn got here. Janae doesn't doubt the fact that Marcus cares for India, Taryn, and the family that they have created. Taryn hopes to continue these conversations. Taryn would love to build a friendship with Janae to see if they are comfortable together. Taryn says after meeting with Janae, she would not say that Janae is persuaded to try polygamy, but she thinks there is some type of interest there because Janae did not know about Marcus having wives, and yet they are still obviously talking to her, so there is some type of connection between them. So Taryn thinks Janae is still a strong candidate. Janae tells Taryn in India they made interesting points, but she still feels how she feels about polygamy. Next time on Seeking Sister Wife, Nick, Jennifer, and April go house hunting for a bigger house. He tells the realtor, in addition to a baby, they are also bringing on another wife. April wonders if Danielle would want her own room. She knows they have been talking about proposing, and she says they should get Danielle a ring. And Nick doesn't look excited at that idea. Sidian FaceTimes Tasha. She tells him she remembered when Sidian got down on one knee with her, and it made her cry so hard during that proposal. Tasha told Sidian to bring Ariel home, but he wonders will Ariel say yes or no. It looks like Sidian is about to propose with the sunset in the background, so we'll see. He's facing Ariel, holding her hands. He asks, "Do you enjoy your time with me?" And Ariel says she does. Sidian asks, "Do you love me?" And then they switch to Marcus for the promo. Marcus goes to Janae's, and he asks how it went. Marcus says, after Janae, Taryn, and India met for the first time, he's eager to find out how this all went. Marcus tells Janae all he needed to know was that they all get along. For the first visit, that's all he can ask for. Janae says it was just a conversation. She won't say they get along. Marcus says when he wants something, he is going to try to get it. He says we'll see what happens. I guess we'll see. Garrick says Roberta's mom is coming by today, and it's going to be an emotional day because they have to let Roberta's mom know that Roberta has to leave much sooner than she expected. Roberta asks her mom 
How are you feeling knowing that I'm leaving for the U.S.? Her mom says, that's a tough one. And Garrick and Danielle look sad and stressed. Their faces look stressed, so I wonder how the mom is going to react. That does it for this episode. To my YouTube viewers, please don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe. Or to let me know your thoughts on Seeking Sister Wife in the comments section. I'll be back this week for the next episode of Book Club on Chapter 8 on Robin and for the next episode of My Sister Wives Rewatch, Season 16, Episode 3, Not Social, But Very Distant. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.